Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. And welcome to another episode of the Bull and the Bear podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Clark. I'm glad you're with us uh, as we are each and every time we do these. We usually try to do about two a week, uh, giving you uh, safe and profitable uh, investment uh, advice. So certainly glad you're with us. Uh, just to kind of clear things up right away, if you don't already know, uh, you can uh, listen to us on various podcast channels, various podcast syndicators, uh, ranging from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, many, many others. All, you can also see this video. Uh, we record this as a video as well. And you can see that on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com and do a search for the Bull and the Bear podcast. And there you are. You'll see uh, all of our videos on our channel. We have several uh, podcasts and, uh, and much, much more. Um, so uh, by all means, and you can leave us a comment, leave us a, leave us a review. If you have any questions, uh, email us at the Bull and Bear at moneyandmarkets.com. That is uh, the easy way to, to shoot a question over. If you have Maybe something you'd like uh, uh, our chief investment strategist, Adam O'Dell, or myself or Charles Sizemore to, to discuss uh, in a podcast, by all means, man, let us know and uh, shoot us a message. And we are more than happy to, uh, to take that feedback and take those questions and, and go with them. So as you can see, uh, if you're watching on video, a little bit different today. I want to detract a little bit, but I'm actually uh, recording from home today. So uh, that's, uh, uh, that's kind of nice of a, a brand new banner. I'd like to uh, shout out to... Uh, uh, our graphics department for getting that put together looks uh, looks very nice. But to dive right in, let's uh, let, let's get right let's get right into it. And, and today I want to talk about dividends. Um, you know, I I used to be very very bullish on dividend stocks, and and, and there's a good reason to be. Uh, you know, you're looking you're always looking when you're making investments. You're always looking to try to find ways to make money. That's why you do it. You don't you don't enter the stock market with the intent of losing money. If you do, then I have many other ways you can do it, including sports books, casinos, many other ways you can lose money uh, that are less intensive as the stock market. But one way that investors look at not only preserving capital um, and, and, and realizing small returns is to invest in dividend stocks. Now, just to give a brief, a brief refresher for those of you who don't know what dividends are, dividends are basically paid out by publicly traded companies uh, they're basically rewards to investors for investing in their company. And, and they can be paid out quarterly. They can be paid out yearly. They can be paid out every six months. There are some out there that actually do pay monthly. It's rare, um, but there are some that do. And, and, and they're paid out based on the profits the company earns. So basically when a company, uh, you know, earns an excess of what it spends, it can take some of those profits and then in turn give that back to shareholders in addition to whatever premium the, the, the shares are worth that a, the, a shareholder can realize. So it's a nice way, it's a nice secondary source of stock income, uh, if you will. I, and, and, and I'll bring on Charles Sizemore, our contributor here in just a second. He may correct me to see if, if any of my points are, are a little off there. But um, I, I, to me, that's a very simplistic way of explaining what dividends are. And, and, you know, there are very large companies that do pay, that do pay good dividends. They pay solid dividends. Um, but you have to be very careful, though. And, and we're going to talk about this a little bit before we get into uh, the meat of, of our podcast. Uh, because there are, you know, some dividends, dividends are not all created equal. 
Um, you, you know, you, you have companies that, that pay dividends, they either keep them flat, they, they can move them up every year, or, or some actually move them down if it's slow. Um, but there are some companies out there, and I found this out, that there are, there are some companies out there that will pay very, what, what appear to be very handsome dividends. Um, whether it be 20 cents a share, 15 cents a share, 50 cents a share, a dollar a share. They will pay those handsome dividends, but they're only doing it to keep investors enticed in buying the stock. They're not doing it because their profit line suggests that they should do so. Um, and this is kind of a poor business model to look at, and it probably makes for a very poor company to invest in. Now, to give you an overview of what we're going to talk about, um, I picked out three stocks that are um, very solid dividend stocks uh, in terms of what they pay out. They have, they have kind of low yield, but they do pay out pretty decent dividends. And we're going to talk about each one of those three stocks. And, and Charles and I are going to give you our take on, on, our, on what we think, whether these are companies you should maybe look at investing in or the ones that you should maybe shy away from. And so I want to bring in Charles Sizemore, Money Markets contributor. Uh, first off, Charles, welcome from uh, the great state of Texas. Uh, glad to, glad to have you on, uh, on this podcast. And uh, I talked a little bit about what dividends are and, and discussed kind of the pratfalls of some dividends, some kind of nefarious companies that do dividends, uh, a, a little shady. Um, but, but give me your take and, and, and talk about dividends in general. Well, so I would actually take a slightly different take on that. I, I would say dividends are actually a protection against nefarious actions by management. And what I mean by that is, you know, management has this, you know, of every company has this intense pressure to, you know, beat their quarterly at you know, whatever analysts expect the company to do that quarter. They have this incentive to beat it by a penny or you know, whatnot. You know, they have this incessant need to meet expectations or exceed it. That really incentivizes them to, uh, I don't want to say cook the books because that sounds illegal, but uh, it incentivizes them to be a bit aggressive on the accounting. And so even if you're not doing anything that's, you know, strictly speaking, wrong or illegal, uh, you can certainly be slightly misleading investors and setting them up for failure if you're doing things like recognizing revenue aggressively, um, being, uh, you know, offering more generous credit terms to try to, you know, get a sale, you know, even if you don't collect the cash for, you know, a couple quarters into the future. Um, all of these things can distort earnings. Uh, well, dividends, you know, they, they, they force management to be disciplined because at the end of the day, they're not just some book entry, they're, they're cash. You know, management has to produce the cash to give it to the investors. They can't just say, hey, our earnings were, you know, X, Y, and Z this quarter. And that's, you know, that's great. They actually have to produce the cash to back that up. So I, I just philosophically, I love dividends because they, they create, in my opinion, a better kind of company with a better kind of management. Uh, beyond that, it also puts management in their place. You don't want the imperial CEO that uh, you know, runs the, the company for, for his benefit or her benefit. You want someone who thinks about the shareholders. At the end of the day, they're not the boss. You as John Q shareholder are the boss. They work for you. He may make more money than you do. He may drive a nicer car, whatever, but that CEO works for you if you're the shareholder. And so the way that they can show that they are looking after you, the shareholder, is by paying you that dividend every quarter or every month, every, you know, every every six months, whatever. Yeah, but by paying you that regular dividend, it's a nice lucrative thank you note. 
uh, to patient investors. So I, I would say, you know, it, it's as a general rule, the payment of a dividend is uh, is is very much a, a, a protection against bad management. I would say where it can get a bit, uh, you know, like all things in moderation, right? Where, where where dividends can become problematic is when management uh, has this incessant focus on yield at at the at the expense of all else. If they've if their identity revolves around meeting a certain uh, yield or certain payout expectation they can make bad decisions on that. They could end up taking out more debt than they should. They could end up under-investing in growth. You, you don't want a management team that's that's so obsessed with meeting that dividend that they let the company crumble around them in the process. So uh, you do have to watch, make sure that dividend that's being paid is actually supported by real cash flows and real earnings. But uh, as a general rule, I would say, yeah, I mean, the, the existence of a dividend is a very nice positive. It is. And, and and I think a lot of investors look at that. If you're looking at, you know, retirement investing, things like that, uh, that's a good way to not only bolster your returns, but add, you know, add capital to what, you know, whether you reinvest those dividends into uh, buying more stock or whether you take it out right you now, however you, you choose to do that. Um, you make it, a good point it, about, about retirees. Um, one of the biggest problems with stock ownership is that, let's, let's just pick a stock at random, Amazon.com one of the greatest growth stories of our lifetimes. Fantastic company, visionary leader, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it, it, let's say you've been riding the stock up for years. The only way, you, you gotta live, right? You still gotta eat. You, you gotta pay your bills in retirement. The only way you can re realize any of your gains from that stock is to sell shares. And if you sell your shares, then you have fewer shares left to compound over time. So the nice aspect of a dividend is it allows you to realize a gain along the way so you don't have to sell your shares. Uh, that's uh, one of the reasons I, I really wish some of um, our big tech companies would, would be a bit more generous in dividend front because I think it's, these are great stocks to own. I don't think you should be forced to sell them to, 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 to pay for your retirement needs, but that's a longer conversation for a different day. It is. And, and the one thing to keep in mind is that it's, it's the company's prerogative to pay a dividend. There's no requirement. There's no, nothing suggests that a company has to pay a dividend. Um, it's a company that, that chooses to pay it and they, and they make the determination based on the profits on what that dividend will be. Um, okay. So, you know, I, I, we'll touch on this a little bit uh, as, we, as we go into the conversation, but there, there's a difference between investing for dividends and investing for yield. Um, and I do want to get into that here, here shortly, but I want to jump into these three companies first. Um, I, I basically, I found three companies. They're not in any related sector. Um, they're not, uh, you know, they're not competitive of each other or anything like that. They're three separate companies, but they all, you know, they all do pay a dividend and have paid dividends for a long time. So not only are we, are we going to look at the dividend aspect of it, but I also want to look at kind of the, 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 the factors related around the stock. Uh, to make an overall decision because you really, you, you don't want to make a decision to buy a stock solely based on the dividend or the yield. That can't be your only rationale for buying. You've got to fact, it's just like using one technical indicator to decide whether you want to buy or sell a stock. It, it may work, but it's probably not the best approach. You probably want to incorporate different factors and maybe even some fundamental um, research in, in before you decide to buy a stock, not just taking one thing and using that as your basis and your mode. I mean, I, I will only invest uh, when the company hits the golden cross 
or something like that. Yeah, you 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 want to be a little bit more robust with your with your methodology than that. So the first company that that uh, um, I, I found here is it's a company that produces medical and scientific imaging. It does RF technology and and, and other software. It's a good sized company. Uh, it, it's not a small company. Uh, none of these are, by the way, and and you won't see a lot of small cap companies paying dividends anyway. Um, they're, they're mostly reserved for large cap, mega cap. To an extent, some mid caps may pay dividends, but it's pretty rare. Um, and this is Roper Technologies Incorporated. It trades on the New York Stock Exchange under ROP. Uh, in, in terms of its dividends, um, it did recently in Q1 raise its 2020 dividend to 50 cents per share. And, and that's up from 46%, uh, 46 cents a share it, it paid in the previous quarter. Uh, that 46 cent dividend was held throughout 2019 and was actually a raise from 41 cents uh, per share it paid in 2018. So the trend here is that you see it started at, and you go even farther back, but I'm just taking the last couple of years. But in, in 2018, you're at 41 cents and they bump up a nickel to, to, to 46 cents and then up four cents uh, to 50 cents a share in, in, in Q1 of 2020. Now in Q2, uh, where economic situations may be different, uh, there's no selling what they're going to do with the dividend. This is just the most recent dividend data. So you, you have to kind of, you know, factor that in. Uh, it, it's got an average, it's got a one-year dividend growth rate of about 12%, a little, just a touch over 12%. Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll start, you know, by, by asking you, Charles, you've had a little bit of time to, to, to look at this, uh, at this company as I gave these to you yesterday. And uh, get, first off, give me your take on, on Roper Technologies and, and, and how, it's, how its dividend is, has paid out. Well, the first thing I'll mention is it sounds like a boot company. Now, maybe that's the Texan in me, but when I see something <laughs> called Roper, I just assume it makes boots. I, because you're thinking I, Roper boots. I, I was. That, that's immediately where I went. But uh, that's not at all what the company does, clearly. Um, I, I think they are interesting for a couple of reasons. You know, one, they have a really long history of raising their dividend. You know, They've been raising it since 2009. Uh, that's a really nice long streak. Um, one of my favorite expressions, and I don't know where this expression came from, but um, I'm just going to appropriate it as my own now. I, I invented this quote, was, uh, you know, the safest dividend is the one that's recently been raised. Because if management, what, why, what's the, what, what is management doing when they raise a dividend? Apart from just obviously giving you more money, uh, they're sending a signal. They're sending a signal that we feel good about our, our business. We are confident that we are growing and we are comfortable parting with more money. Because think about it, every time a company pays a dividend, that's money that is out of the company's bank account and into yours. They never get that dollar back, it's, it's gone. So uh, you, you don't pay out money as dividends that you think you might need to, to pay the light bill next week, right? So uh, when, when a, a company makes a decision to raise that dividend, that is a big uh, showing of confidence. So, uh, and, and Roper can back that up. It, it's, a, it's, it's a company that has a specialized niche. Um, it seems like they're, they're fairly uh, COVID-19 proof for the most part. They, you know, they have, uh, they're more of a gritty uh, kind of industrial company. They, you know, they make software and, 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 and hardware, but it's all, it's not the sexy consumer facing stuff. This is all kind of nuts, nut, nuts and bolts type stuff. Which, uh, which is good. Um, that's, that's exactly what I like to see in a nice long-term dividend pair. Uh, the yield isn't exceptionally high right now, but that's okay. If you look at you know, competing 
you know, look at what bonds yield these days. Bonds yield practically zero. So it's not realistic for us to expect stock dividend yields of three, four, five percent across a diversified portfolio. You may have a few stocks that yield that for sure, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. There's everything right with that. But uh, I, I think you know a, a lower dividend yield around you know the one percent mark or whatnot is actually not a deal breaker in a world where bond yields are practically zero. So overall, I, I like Roper. Um, you know, you, you don't really buy it because you expect some massive windfall check in your mailbox every quarter. Uh, you buy it because it's a consistent dividend grower. It's a healthy company and it's largely off the radar screen of most investors. I will tell you just looking at, I'm looking over here at my screen on some of the, some of the other ratios and, and whatnot. Um, you know, it, it uh, in terms of against the industry, and this is a, a software specific industry uh, or specific software industry rather, um, you know, its ratios are, are relatively solid compared to compared to the rest of its peers. Uh, and its return ons are very, very good. Uh, you know, you're looking at an industry that has negative return ons, both in assets, equity and investment, um, whereas Roper is positive across the board. Um, it's a relatively I would say, I, I don't know that I necessarily say it's undervalued, um, but I think it's valued about right. Um, it, it's, 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 uh, uh, it's PE ratio is much, much lower than the rest of the industry, but the rest of its, uh, its price to sales, price to cash flow, uh, and price to book are, uh, you know, a little lower than the industry average. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm not necessarily concerned with a lower dividend yield. It's four dividend yield is, is 0.5%. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily concerned with that because I think you're right. I think, you know, you buy a company like Roper, not because you're, you're not buying it for the dividend, you're buying it for the company. Uh, and because you it, like uh, the boots. Yeah. And the boots, uh, which it does not do by the way. Which it does um, not do. So, so I, I would have to say that, that, you know, Roper to me, you know, if you're looking at the stock overall it is a, is a strong buy it is, a, not, not, I say a buy, not a strong buy, but a buy. Um, and, and I think the dividend just adds a nice icing to that, um, to, to that buy, to that buy. In, in a diversified dividend growth portfolio, a stock like this clearly has a place. Software is, has been one of the best industries to be in for the last decade. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I don't see that changing tomorrow. So, um, I, I would agree. Good deal. We'll move on to uh, our second stock. The second one I picked. This is one that I, I have a little bit of experience with because uh, in an article I wrote back in March, I actually recommended this company as, as one to buy um, because of what it does, what segment it's in, and how it conducts its business. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's classified as a gold stock, but it's not really a gold stock in the traditional sense. It's not a miner. It, it does not own mines. It does not, you know, you know, pay for mining. It does not do any of that. Uh, this is a company that focuses on royalties surrounded, surrounding gold. So basically, it's a company that has no upfront mining costs and makes money just strictly on the gold that's pulled out of the ground. And, and, and those margins are actually uh, very, very good. And this company has performed very well um, uh, it, since, uh, since, uh, since I recommended in March not to toot the horn, but it's up about 35, 36%. Uh, since March, so it is it is weathered uh, the coronavirus uh, downturn and whatnot very very well, and it's Franco Nevada Corporation. Uh, again, it's not a gold miner. Uh, you think Franco Nevada actually kind of sounds like a really cool gold mining stock name, but it's not. Uh, like I said, they focus strictly on the royalties of the actual gold, not the mining of it. So 
um, Goldie pole on the ground, they have royalties on it, and they, they collect on those royalties. Uh, much like, I, I don't know if it's really quite the same, but much like kind of record deal royalties. Uh, you know, uh, artists get royalties on, on music played over the course of time, not just when they make it. Um, so they, they collect pennies on the, on the listen or, or whatever. Whenever, every time you download a song, that artist of song you download is likely getting some sort of a small uh, one cent, two cent, three cent kickback because you downloaded their song. So that, that's kind of how the royalties work uh, to the best of, uh, that I have. it Now, uh, Franco Nevada recently raised its dividend uh, by a penny a share. It's now up to 26 cents a share. They did that back in May. It's got a one-year annual dividend growth. It's not really exciting. Uh, it's about 4%. So it's not a real aggressive growth in terms of dividend, but it's been a very solid dividend stock. Um, not only, and it's been solid all the way around really in terms of not just dividends, but also in the sector that it's in because gold has already surpassed the $1,800 mark and, and, and it's doing very, very well. So, uh, Charles, your thoughts on, on Franco Nevada. Um, yeah. So as a general rule, well, let me back up for a second. I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. You know, there's the old expression, you know, you, you can look for Mrs. Wright or you can look for Mrs. Wright now. And I would say Franco Nevada is that misses right now you know it's it's as for a dividend stock i don't necessarily like uh, anything tied to commodities because the, the the income stream can be really volatile uh that said right now i absolutely love anything related to gold as we've discussed on this program uh multiple times actually I think having exposure to precious metals makes a lot of sense in an era where uh, the Fed is printing a trillion dollars a month. I, I think we are looking at a period of financial uh, uncertainty, if not outright instability. And I'm not bashing the Fed. I'm not throwing them under the bus. If I had uh, Jerome Powell's job, I don't, frankly, I have no idea what I would do. I'd probably do the same thing he did. I would just flood the market with liquidity and hope for the best. But a consequence of that, you know, the Fed was actually successful in preventing the economy from completely melting down uh, during the, the, the COVID-19 outbreak. But a, a problem with that, a long-term consequence, is that we may be looking at, um, we may be looking at a, a prolonged period of dollar weakness, dollar instability, a lack of faith in the financial system, et cetera. All of those are very real, real issues. So I think having exposure to precious metals in general um, anything associated with precious metals is a, a great idea. If we can get paid a dividend stream on that in the meantime, great. I would add that Franco Nevada has done a fantastic job of, of raising for a, for, a, for a company that that does that is at the end of the day still tied to commodities. It, it's been a remarkable uh, dividend. Uh, it's had a remarkable streak of dividend increases going all the way back to 2008. Um, I, I would say, you know, as a as a general rule, though. I, I wouldn't, if I'm building a dividend growth portfolio, I would steer clear of anything having to do with commodities. Uh, one, but I would make an exception here for the here and now because I, I, I do like it. Now, one other point I would make, you said that Franco Nevada is not a miner. Uh, that's, that's an important distinction because even though uh, the bull case for precious metals has been, it hasn't really changed in months, what we found was that the mines themselves were ha the miners themselves were having some some issues with the virus because they couldn't get their workers. Um, you know, their workers were getting sick. They they couldn't meet their production goals. That that was problematic. Uh, if you're really just collecting 
the royalty stream and not having to deal with sick workers or whatnot, that's clearly an advantage in this environment. So kind of summing up Franco Nevada, it's not, you know, if I was going to buy a, you know, set it and forget it and, you know, a portfolio of dividend stocks to just drop into a drawer and not look at for 20 years, this would not make that list. But if I'm looking at something that I would want to keep for the next several years and, you know, make a little bit of money on dividends in the process, then yeah, sure. I, I would include this. Yeah, I think that the the economic situation that we're in right now warrants Franco Nevada to be one to look at. Um, I, I, you know, when I recommended it, it's its ratios were much much lower than they are now. Um, in fact, compared to the industry, uh, you know, to to the precious metal mining industry, um, which it is actually classified, um, their 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 ratios are actually quite high. I mean, right now it's got a PE ratio of 147. I mean, so that's, that's a, that's a really, really high, uh, you know, uh, PE ratio ratio for any company. Uh, you know, the industry average is 36. So, uh, you know, there could be some, some thought that, that Franklin Nevada may be a little overvalued, but then again, if you look at the entire market as a whole, everything's overvalued at this point. Uh, there's very, well, there, there's a distinction to make there though. And did you see that? I, I very, very, very slickly put that earpiece back in as it was starting to fall out. Um, PE ratio is inherently backward looking. And so if, if Mr. Market here is uh, looking forward and sees uh, higher, higher gold prices, then the price earnings ratio is not particularly relevant for, for this type of stock. Where, where, where commodity prices can be an issue, uh, things like the PE ratio are really, really tough. Uh, your, your point is noted though, this is an expensive market and virtually everything is a little bit pricey. The, the question is, do you see precious metals getting more expensive and is a stock like Franco Nevada a way to participate in that? And I think for the time being, that answer is yes. I mean, I, I you know, and, and the other thing to consider is, you know, because Franco Nevada does not technically mine, they don't mine stocks, their returns are actually very good compared to the industry. The rest of the mining industry has return on investments that are actually in the negative, they're actually in the red. Franco Nevada is in the positive. It's not by much, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's a 34% turnaround on return on assets. Um, it's a 35, 36% return on equity. So, um, and that's the turnaround that's from the negative of the industry to the positive where Franco Nevada is. So, uh, you know, I still remain very, very, very high on Franco Nevada from my recommendation in March. I still think it's worth looking into. I think gold is well on its way uh, to, to reaching even higher than it is now. Um, I think it's going to test 1800 and break out of it. Uh, our, our chief investment strategist, Adam Odell, has, has talked about this. And, and, and I think he sees gold reaching up to $10,000. And I, quite frankly, I agree with him. I think I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think it's going to happen, um, and and I think it's definitely worth looking at. So to me, I think Franco Nevada is definitely worth looking at uh, as something that I think, and I think Charles, you're right. I think it's something to look at, you know, two, three, four year hold, and then you know, kind of see where where things are are at with precious metals and decide uh, and decide from there. So I I kind of I agree with you there. Um, the last company to look at here is, is is another one that I found just kind of interesting, just because. Now I will preface by saying this company does report earnings tomorrow, so <laughs> take take that for what you will in terms of of whether you decide to buy the stock today or not. Um, the earnings report does come out tomorrow, so that's just something to 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 bear in mind. But it's a company that it makes paints and coatings, and it services various industries from automotive 
to aerospace, architecture. Um, they basically kind of have the market kind of cornered in terms of, of how that works. So a lot of times if you look at your car, uh, it's got a clear coat finish on it. By, I would say there's a really good shot that that clear coat finish was, or even the paint as well, was provided by this company. And this company is, is PPG Industries. Uh, it's on the New York Stock Exchange trading ad under the symbol PPG. Uh, it raises dividend payment to 51 cents a share. Uh, it's about a 6% increase from the previous quarter. Uh, it's got a one-year annual dividend growth rate of about 6.4%. So again, uh, not as weak as Franco Nevada, but also not as, as robust a one-year potential dividend growth rate as Roper. So um, your thoughts on PPG? I love it, actually. Uh, they've raised their dividend every year since the, since the early 1970s. And think about you know, how different the world was then as opposed to now, how many different economic seasons we've gone through, how many bear markets we've had you know, stagflation, then we had the disinflation of the 80s, we had the 90s bubble, we, we, we've had, you know, the 2008 meltdown, COVID. The last, you know, 40-something years here have been a wild ride, and this stock has managed to raise its dividend every year along the way. Uh, it's one of those companies that's just sort of under the radar. You never, you know, the average consumer doesn't know the company, doesn't understand its brand pedigree. But somebody, um, somebody in, I don't know, uh, works in a, a factory in, in Detroit or whatnot. I mean, I, I, like this is, this is they, they would know the company. Uh, it, it, it's well-known and well-respected within its, its niche market. And they've been doing it for a long time. Um, if any, you know, the, the, the mark of a, uh, oh, let me back up for a second. This is good stuff. So uh, I'm going to butcher this to some extent, but uh, uh, Nazem Taleb, you know, the, the black swan and fooled by randomness guy, uh, anti-fragile. He had a, a theory he called, uh, I'm going to butcher this. I think he called it the Lindy effect. And it was the longer a technology or, or, or company has been around, the more likely it is to be around in the future. And the idea is, okay, some, you know, cutting edge new technology that can easily be replaced by a new cutting edge, new technology next week or next year or whatnot. Whereas something that's been around for five centuries is probably going to be around five centuries from now. I mean, obviously there's exceptions, but that was his kind of general rule of thumb. I, I would say something like that really does apply to a company like this. Um, hey, we may move from internal combustion cars to electric Teslas tomorrow. Um, whatever, you know, it's, you know, the transitions like that happen along the way, but things still need to be painted. You know, they still need to be coded. Um, and, and a company like this has proven uh, that it has the ability to, to roll with the punches and, and change with the time. So I think this is a really nice long-term dividend payer, long-term dividend grower. I agree. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it has the potential to, to really provide uh, solid dividends, and it's it, it, you 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 hit it on the head. It's it's a it's a company that's been around for a long time. It's a company that provides a service that still no one else getting into the market has been able to to really dent its its market share. Its market share. Its Who's going to start a new paint company now? Yeah, yeah it's exactly. like, like, like why would you even get into that business given that the existing right. competitors are are well entrenched? Like exactly. how are you? What what are you going to do differently that that's going to make you a better competitor? Than these guys, right? And the answer is nothing. You're not. You're not. You can't. There's no way to do that. The only concern that I have with PPG 
is more so an immediate concern, not one that I think has anything to do with its long-term stability. And that is the fact that PPG has uh, a, a lot of very large clients, clients like Ford, clients like General Motors, clients like BMW, clients like Boeing. And these are companies that have experienced pretty significant slowdowns because of the coronavirus. So what I'm anticipating here is that when they report earnings in the next day, those earnings are probably going to be off. Not that's big. Oh, secret. they'll probably take a bath. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a very good risk that these guys take a you know a kitchen sink uh, you know it's, quarter it, where they just it, you know it could be it could be ugly. So I think if, if sure. you're going to if you're going to take the recommendation that we have here and buy, and I think we both agree that this is definitely a stock to buy, I wouldn't do it today. I wouldn't do it tomorrow. I would probably wait until next week at the earliest before you decide to jump into this because you're probably going to see a three, four, 5% drop in its share price. Um, I don't wanna be those, one of those ones that says buy it on the dip, but it's going to dip, uh, simply because outside forces and its outside clientele have significantly trimmed back the amount of product from PPG they're using. And that's going to impact sales, that's going to impact the bottom line, and that's gonna impact its quarterly report. There's just, there's no way around that, and I see that being kind of a short-term um, issue that that PPG is going to have. Again, I still think PPG is worth a look. I still think it's worth a buy. I still think it's worth it as a dividend stock. Um, I just don't think it's worth it right now. And by right now, I mean this week. <laughs> so, uh, and, and that's just that's just my thought on it because I, I just think there are just there there's a lot of uh, a lot of headwind, and I think you're going to see that in its quarterly earnings report, which which comes out in the next day. So, um, and that's one of the reasons why I chose it is because I want to get want to get your take on, on, on your thoughts with that and, 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 and see what you think. So right now, it seems like the three stocks that I picked, there wasn't a lot of dissent here. They're all three uh, ones to, to definitely look at and potentially buy if you're an investor. I think we all agree, we, the, both Charles and I agree on that. I think there's different ways you have to look at how you buy it and what you do with it once you buy it. Uh, like for example, Franco Nevada is probably a good one to, to buy and sit on for a short amount of time. And then if you start to see gold, maybe take a bit of a reversal, um, which I don't see happening yet, uh, then it might be, a, you know, you might want to cut the position a little bit, maybe tranche the position somewhat or, or whatever. PPG, very good long-term potential here. Uh, but, but you want to wait before you buy it. You don't want to buy it today. I want to buy it next week, maybe even a week after that at, at, at its earliest. And then Roper, very solid company. One of those companies you don't necessarily buy for the dividend, but the dividend is a nice bonus um, to have if you own the stock. So I think that kind of encapsulates things, yes? Yeah, no, I'd say so. And, and to reiterate, Roper does not make boots. Roper does not, in fact, make boots. I mean, there was a company of Roper that does make boots. This is just not the one we're talking about. So uh, just to be very, very clear. In fact, I think Roper who makes boots is owned by a much larger company, and I don't even know who it is. So uh, if you know out there, email us uh, at, at the bull and bear at moneymarkets.com and let us know who that is. Um, that way we can, we can solve the dilemma that we have. But uh, so, so those, are, those are three stocks uh, that hopefully you can look at and, and, and make a determination. Again, do your own homework. Uh, we've done a lot of the research for you. Uh, we, we've done a lot of the, of the legwork. We've given you our thoughts and our, our recommendations. Uh, by all means, take that and run. Uh, and, and dividend stocks, I think we're both pretty bullish on. Uh, Charles, maybe, I think you're a little more bullish on dividends now than I am. Uh, I used to be very, very, I used to only look at dividend stocks when I made recommendations. Now, I don't, I don't really do that. I, I, I look 
a little bit beyond that. So um, not saying that's what you do, but I, I just think that in terms of our bullish position on, 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 on dividend stocks, I, I think you might be a little more bullish than I am. I wish every company paid a dividend. I really do. Um, but I would say, you know, where my own thinking has shifted is I, I am more willing to look beyond dividends to, um, you know, really good growth stage companies. Uh, and, and part of that, you know, particularly of this past year, dividends have proven to be somewhat fragile in a lot of cases. So I mean, I, I do think, you know, you, you can't just say I, I only buy dividend stocks. That's it. Yeah, that's I, I don't buy any company unless it pays a dividend because you, if if you had that attitude, you would have missed out on Google, you would have missed out on Amazon, you would have missed out on Apple for years. It pays a dividend now, but it didn't always. You would have missed out on 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 Microsoft for for a long stretch of its history. Microsoft actually does pay a dividend now, uh, but yeah, you know, and that's you know why do that? Why miss out? But um, right. all the same, all else equal. Um, I do prefer dividend-paying stocks to non-dividend-paying stocks for all the reasons we listed. It shows that management is looking out for you. Um, it, it does create a more disciplined company that uh, has to produce the cash and can't just cook the books. Um, and yeah, more than anything, it's just it's just a better way of being. It's just, it just it's a better kind of company, one that that looks out for their shareholders. So uh, it's uh, definitely better, but um, it's not necessarily um, the only thing you should look for yeah, to say it, the it's, least. It, it's not the end all be all. And I think when you're looking at a dividend stock, it's important to look at its history. Um, don't look at what it's done in the last quarter. Look at what it's done in the last decade or last five years or whatever to see kind of what its trend is. Now realize that, you know, the last five years we've been in a, in a, a you know, in a pretty strong bull market. So raising dividends is kind of a, a no brainer because things have been rocking and rolling pretty good. Now we're not, now we're in a recession. Uh, we're in a bearish market uh, or, or a bearish kind of market. Uh, and, and, and things are, the atmosphere is a little bit different now. So, but, but look at the trends, look at what a company does. And, it, and if it's a, it's a company that's paid even stronger dividends, look back to 2008, 2009 during the last, the great recession, what did it do then? And kind of, and that might give you a bit of an indication of what you can expect for a dividend, uh, dividend stock to do, uh, here in the, in the coming months in the coming quarters with, with, with the way things are now. So um, that we're going to put a lid on things with that. So hopefully that's given you, uh, given you a lot of things to think about in terms of dividend stocks and uh, definitely appreciate you coming on uh, Charles. Thank you for that. Uh, coming up on Friday, Charles will be back. I will be back and we will have money and markets chief investment strategist, Adam O'Dell, where we're going to find three stocks. I haven't figured out which three yet. I'm going to kind of keep that under wraps and we're going to, we're going to analyze and, and, and talk about them uh, at length and, and, uh, and find a sector that's, uh, that's trending. So uh, make sure you uh, be, uh, come back to us for that on Friday. Uh, in the meantime, uh, you can listen to us. You can listen to this podcast, any other podcast that, uh, that we've done on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, YouTube. Go to YouTube.com and type in the Bull and the Bear podcast. We're right there. Uh, and uh, you can also uh, uh, you know, email us any comments, questions, or concerns you have. You can do that at the bull and bear at moneyandmarkets.com. Uh, any one of those places you listen, make sure you leave us a comment, leave us a, uh, uh, leave us a review, leave us a question. More than happy to take a look at those types of things. And uh, we certainly appreciate everyone who has downloaded the podcast and listened to it or watched it on YouTube. Thank you very much uh, for that. So for Charles Sizemore, uh, I am Matt Clark, and this has been the latest episode of The Bull and the Bear on moneyandmarkets.com. 
You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. 